listening to the Daily Roundup here as part of the Reality Steve podcast. I am your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in on this Thursday. We've got a good show for you today, an update a little bit. From the Clayton story, Taylor Swift did something yesterday that was more impressive, even more impressive than winning Time's Person of the Year. I'll tell you what that was. We have thoughts on Survivor last night. We also have something I want to say in regards to Amy and TJ that I forgot to mention yesterday. And then the finale of Squid Game I'm going to also talk about as well. So if you have not watched the finale that was released at 9 p.m. Eastern last night on Netflix, then you're probably going to have to fast forward or just skip to the end. But we're going to talk about all that and more momentarily. So let's get started. In a couple hours, you're going to have podcast number 368, the weekly podcast. We're having Dave Neal on again. Usually have him on every three months. We're having him on every two months. At least this is two months since his last appearance. And we're having Dave on because a lot of things have gone on in his life in the last two months since we last had him on. We were basically just at the beginning of this Clayton story. And now he's gotten involved because of how much coverage he's given it which is absolutely 100% justifiable. And it's taken such weird turns throughout this. We spend the good, we spend a good 30, 40 minutes talking about it. So be ready. And if you haven't been following along and watching all of Dave's videos or listening to me on this podcast, it's almost a refresher and kind of narrows it down. I mean, granted, there's so many things. It would take hours upon hours upon hours to tell you and read you everything this woman has sent me and Dave and Clayton. But I think it's a pretty good summary of what's going on and what she's done. And it involves uh, the past cases that she's been involved with because that's just as much as part of the story as anything. And Dave has put more coverage into the past stories and the past legal proceedings she's had with men in Arizona. That's really brought a lot to the forefront of this case. But Dave is on. We talk about that. We also talk about the Golden Bachelor. We talk about TJ and Amy. We talk about Matt Reif. Dave, being a stand-up comedian, wanted to get his thoughts on the Matt Reif situation, what he's going through right now. Just a lot of uh, topics that we talk to Dave about and the fact that he's having a baby. It's due in May. Boy, they had a gender reveal party this past weekend. I ask him how he's going to monetize that baby. So um, Dave Neal coming up in a couple hours, so check that out. One of the things that we discuss is the fact that Dave did another video yesterday in regards to the Clayton story, and Dave got some information that yet another paternity test taken by the woman in question revealed little to no fetal DNA present. Now, you'll hear us talk about it. It took her very few minutes before she fired off another email to Dave's lawyer after Dave posted that video yesterday, which shows that literally she listens to everything said about her because we could do the timestamp on it. It wasn't very long after his video went up. He said that he got a uh, email. His lawyer got an email from her basically saying, take this all down. You don't know what you're talking about. Again, look, we're at a situation now where on November 2nd, when the second hearing happened, that was broadcast or that I had footage to and Dave put it on his YouTube channel First, he did the audio version. Then he did the video version of it. She said under oath that she was 24 weeks pregnant back on November 2nd. Well, it's December 7th now. That's five weeks ago. So she is now sitting here at 29 weeks pregnant. 
And yet the latest information is that another paternity test that she took recently has shown little to fetal DNA present. Yet for seven months now, she has claimed, I'm pregnant, I have twins, and they're Clayton's. She's never once proven in a court of law or officially or anything. She's thought that she's proven to me, Dave, and Clayton that she's pregnant, but we have every reason to doubt everything that she has ever sent us because none of it is legit. We've talked about this numerous times. It's about the easiest thing in the world to prove that you're pregnant, but yet in a court of law, she's after Clayton for full custody of these children that are she's claiming are Clayton's, and she's got two babies inside of her, two, she's got twins inside of her, and she is saying, hey, I want full custody of these. I think that's what she's after now. I'm actually clueless of what the hell she's going after Clayton for because every email she has ever sent me in the past has said, I'm not interested in fame. I'm not interested in money. I don't want his money. I think the last thing she said was, I just want custody of my children. <laughs> just like, again, it's like the first thing I'm answering, asking is, what children? Anyway, um, but we're seven months in now and yet another test that says little to no fetal DNA present, which is just physically impossible. I'm sorry. I don't want to hear any more excuses. I don't want to hear how a test fell off the tr fell off the delivery truck and it's got lost in transit. And, oh, this other test I took was diluted. It's like, come on. We're not dumb. We weren't born yesterday, you know, but she's going to come up with something. I'm sh and hell, the fact that she already fired off an email to Dave's lawyer after his video went up. I'm sure that email does not say, you know what? I throw my hands up in the air, guys. You got me. I've been lying this whole time. Of course it didn't say that. She's got some excuse and some reason why after seven months, she has, one, not yet proven that Clayton is the father, and two, not yet even proven that she's pregnant. But I'm sure she's got another excuse. It's just the way she works. It's the way she functions. It's, it's sad. Um, she clearly needs some help. I wish she would get it. You know, I don't wish ill will upon anybody. Um... Has she been annoying with her emails in the past? Yes, but she has left me alone. I have not received anything from her since November 14th. Um, and I've told you ever since November 14th, everything about this case, just leave her alone. Do not attack her. Do not comment on anything that she does. Do not try and look her up. Just leave her alone. And you can have thoughts on everything. You can talk about it with your friends. Just leave her out of it. Do not, do not say anything to her directly. Don't try and find her, anything like that. But while it is annoying, I also realize we're dealing with somebody that really has something going on that I don't think any of us can comprehend, which is claiming to the world that you're seven months pregnant and have yet to prove it to anybody. I mean, that's just kind of a ridiculous, almost um, asinine, insane kind of thing to carry on. And it's just like, well, what is she going to do when it comes to February 14th, the date that she said under oath she's due to give birth to twins? Your answer is as good as mine. I don't know. I have no idea. I thought months ago she was going to give up this charade, but she hasn't. She's keeping going. She's keeping chugging forward. She tells everybody that she's still pregnant. She's got twins, and they're Clayton's. It can't be anybody else's. It's just like I, your guess is as good as mine what she's going to do going forward because we're running out of time. Hell, I thought we were running out of time a month ago, but apparently not because she's due in two months and one week from now, nine weeks that she's due, according to her. And she's yet to prove to anybody in a court of law or even over an email or any, any sort of video that she is pregnant, let alone that they're Clayton's. I mean, let's give her, let's give her the benefit of the doubt and say, yeah, she is pregnant, even though nobody has seen her pregnant. Let's give her the benefit of the doubt and say she is. 
Her whole thing, the whole reason she even went and told this story to the son in the very beginning of this case was because I guess Clayton wasn't paying attention to her. Clayton was telling her to leave her alone and she needed to put together a paternity plan because she wasn't with the father of her unborn children. Okay, whatever. But she's never been able to prove that ever since she went live with this story. Ever since she told the son this story, her whole point is this guy's the father and he's ignoring me. Okay, well then where's the proof that he's the father? She's yet to prove it. She can talk all she wants about tests got diluted and that it hasn't, no, it's inconclusive or whatever. Okay, then. Then you can't sit here and say that Clayton is the father when you have no proof. Her proof that she's giving me and you and everybody is, well, he's the only guy that I've been with. So, and I have a pregnant belly, so clearly they have to be his. I'm just, I'm sorry. This is 2023. That's not good enough because how do we know you're not lying? Clayton has said from the very beginning you guys never had sex. So why are we supposed to believe that you're pregnant, let alone there is? It just makes no sense. Dave and I talk about it for about 30 or 40 minutes. He brings in a lot of things that maybe people who haven't been following this daily understand or know. But just take a listen today. It's a really, it's a fun podcast. And obviously Dave and I talk a lot. We talk every day. And it's just almost comical at this point. And it's also, not only is it comic, it's like, all these different emotions. It's comical. It's sad. It's tragic. It's devastating. It's also funny to a certain extent because it's confusing. Like I said, because we have no idea where she's going with this. Like, what is she going to do when February 14th rolls around? You can't just, I don't know, pretend you have children. Was she going to borrow somebody's kids? Was she going to, you know, borrow a stroller and just pretend like again, I don't even want to get to that point because I just, I have no idea where we're going to get to and where this is going, what the next thing she's going to say or do is she's got, you know, Dave firing off emails. Every time Dave says something, she wants to sue him for some reason. And it's just, it's just so over the top. And the very, very first thing I said about her ended up being true. She's a very litigious person because every one of her emails threatens lawsuits. So don't tell me you're not a litigious person when everything you do is litigious. That's what I mean. It's just, I'm allowed to have an opinion. My opinion of you is you're litigious. I said that in the very get-go, and all you've done since that day when I gave my opinion is fire off fucking lawsuits. <laughs> I mean, I, I, you, you are literally the definition of what I said and what I thought that you were. And I was right. So I have no idea where anything is going, um, but Dave has a right to cover this story. In her eyes, that means it's harassment. It's not harassment. In her eyes, it means it's defamation when Dave lays out the truth of things that are going on and things that he's been able to find online about her in court documents, all this stuff. She thinks it's defamation. It's not. So I don't even know if she knows what the, the definition of defamation is. Doesn't sound like she does, but... We talk about that and other things in Podcast 368 coming up in a couple hours, so check that out. This podcast brought to you by Green Chef. Green Chef makes eating well easy with plans to fit every lifestyle, whether you're keto, paleo, vegan, vegetarian, gluten-free, or just looking to eat some more balanced meals. Green Chef offers a range of recipes to suit your preferences. Go to Eat Clean the Delicious Way this December with flavor-packed recipes like the buttery lemon garlic shrimp, Harissa apricot chicken, maple butternut squash risotto, and sriracha tamari beef bowls. 
Go to greenchef.com slash 60 reality Steve and use code 60 reality Steve to get 60% off. Plus, you're going to get another 20% off the next two months. Greenchef.com slash 60 reality Steve. Use code 60 reality Steve to get 60% off plus 20% off your next two months. Green Chef, the number one meal kit for eating well. So yesterday in the Daily Roundup, which I had recorded on Tuesday night, I said, hey, by the time you listen to this yesterday morning, we might know and you might know who Time has named their person of the year. And I gave you the nine candidates that were on the short list. It was Taylor Swift. It was um, the Trump prosecutors. It was Vladimir Putin, uh, some dude from the Federal Reserve, uh, the president of China, a couple other people. And I said, look at this list. Like, first off, why is Putin on this list? I don't understand. I know he's won it in the past, but I'm not the most well-versed person of what's going on in the world. But doesn't Vladimir Putin kill his own people and in a war trying to take over another country right now? Why would he be up for time person of the year? Please, someone explain that to me. I don't understand it. But we got the answer yesterday. And Taylor Swift fucking won it. Do you know how big that is for someone like her? I read you the list of previous winners, at least since the year 2000. Nobody on that list was a pop singer. That shows you the effect that she has had on the world. I mean, I'm not saying, oh, the effect that she has on the music industry. I'm not saying the effect that she has on women. I'm saying the effect that she has on the fucking world. Taylor Swift, Times Person of the Year. Yes, I understand it is a very subjective vote. Maybe some people voted for somebody else, but she ended up winning. And I don't know if you did read the story attached to the time story. It's online. You can read it. Fascinating, fascinating story. I think it's a really, really good read about her and her mindset and the way she thinks about things and the way she markets things. She's just a fucking genius. That's all you got to put it. You know, you got to you got to give her. And I will say this, like I said at the open. Taylor Swift did something yesterday that's even more impressive than winning Time Person of the Year. She was able to, once again, for God knows how many times she's now done this, once again, she's been able to get under the skin of regular people on the internet. Like, it without fail. She did absolutely nothing yesterday herself. She was awarded something by a group of people that thought she had that much of an impact to name her the person of the year. And God forbid you would have thought she burned down a building yesterday with kids and babies and cats and dogs in it. The way people reacted to this. And the perfect example is what I tweeted out yesterday. I quote tweeted somebody because all I did was tweet out Time's tweet that Time Magazine's uh, Twitter account Quote tweeted it and said she won it. Taylor Swift, time person of the year. And at Clint Rock 34 came back with trashy whore. That's all he wrote. Trashy whore. So, of course, I go look at at Clint Rock 34's bio. And what does it say? What is the very first sentence in at Clint Rock 34's Twitter bio? Dad to a beautiful little girl. (laughs) It is amazing Taylor Swift's ability 
to piss so many people off, mostly men, for just being named person of the year. Really? That is your response to somebody who got one of the highest awards given in the public eye, at least in the media, every year. Times person of the year, pretty big deal, especially when you look at fucking world leaders and presidents win this thing. And Taylor Swift won it, which was awesome. And at Clint Rock 34 responded with trashy whore. And he's a dad to a beautiful little girl. First line in his bio. So, of course, I had to quote tweet him. And I wrote, dad to a beautiful little girl. It never fails. One only thing missing from his profile is a Bible verse. Congrats, man. Great example you're setting for your daughter. Within two minutes, when I went back to look, he had blocked me. Which is kind of funny, because before yesterday morning, I did not know who the fuck at Clint Rock 34 was. Yet he's now blocking me. <laughs> it's like, dude, I don't care that you block me. I don't know who you are. I've never followed you. I never will follow you. I just happened to see your comment under my tweet. And I thought I'd comment on your comment. You came with a pitchfork. I came with receipts. You look like an asshole. You're a dad to a beautiful little girl, and you called Taylor Swift being named person of the year a trashy whore for no reason whatsoever. And then you block me. Oh, okay. Whoa, you got me, buddy. <laughs> like, you realize how ridiculous that sounds. Now, the thing that sucks is because he blocked me, at least... I don't know if other people look at my Twitter account right now if you can still see his trashy horror comment up. I can't see it because he blocked me, but maybe others that he hasn't blocked can see it on my tweet. I don't know. Not really sure how that works. I should have taken a screenshot of it and just put it under that so in case he did block me or in case he did delete his comment, it was too late. But that's what I mean. The ability for her to piss so many people off for doing absolutely nothing now, that was probably the worst that I saw. If you look at under Times tweet, you get a couple like, why is this woman always, why, why are we bowing down to her? It's just like people get just so annoyed and I don't know, it really doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, why? What do you care? You know, why are you so like, why are you so mad that she did? Why don't you read the story? Why don't you read a little bit more about her background and what she's about, what she stands for? that's why I just think it's like, oh, I see her all the time. I'm sick of her. Okay, well, does that mean you need to call her names? Does that mean she's not deserving of this award because you are sick of her? People are amazing. You know, when I was talking about the Amy and TJ story yesterday, a lot of you had brought up that, and I didn't even know this because while I know who Shania Twain is, I don't know anything about her personal life. And a lot of you brought up, hey, this is just like the Shania Twain story. This is exactly what happened to her. And I was like, I, I did not know that. So I didn't know this, but back on uh, May of 2008, she was separating from her husband who had an affair with Shania's best friend, Marianne. I don't even know how to pronounce the last name. It's French. Their divorce was finalized. So Shania Twain and her husband's divorce was finalized on June 9th, 2010. Literally six months and 10 days later, she was engaged to the Nestle executive, Frederick 
Tybod, I don't know how you pronounce his last name, but he is the ex-husband of Marianne. So not only did Shania Twain start dating her ex-husband's new, the one, the mistress that her ex-husband was having an affair with, she got engaged to him within six months. <laughs> I did not know this. Thank you for everybody for letting me know that. And I guess they're still married to this day, so good for them. That's why I said I hope Andrew and Merrily outlast Amy and TJ. I think that would be the irony of all ironies. I'm rooting for it, so go, Andrew. Go, Merrily. Survivor last night was another good episode. I thought it was great, and it was really surprising to see six of the seven people just decide to go against Julie when in the very beginning of the episode, the Reba Four are sitting there, Austin, Drew, Julie, and Dee, are like, hey, we got this. We can just pick off the other three, and the four of us are going to the final four. But apparently that wasn't good enough. They decided to target Julie. Drew was the first one to bring it up, and then everyone kind of jumped on board, even though it made it seem like maybe everyone wasn't on board with it. I got a little confused on where they were headed. But then when we saw the votes play out last night, Dee told Julie, we see her tell Julie before voting and before tribal council, you need to act and you need to play your idol. Just do the do me this favor. And Julie did what D said. Everybody voted for Julie. And none of the votes counted except for Julie's vote, which went against Emily. And I think a lot of people are surprised that Emily didn't win because after the first episode, Emily seemed to be positioning herself as, oh my gosh, the woman who at the very beginning of the season, I think in the first clip of the season, said, I'm either going to be voted out first or I'm going to win this thing or something like that or I'm going to get to the end. And when she wasn't voted out early, even though everyone thought she was because she was quite annoying, and then she kind of grew on you in the last few episodes, everyone, I think, thought she was getting in the finals, if not win this thing. And she got clipped last night because Dee told Julie to play her idol. And now Reba 4 is basically against Jake and Katura. But because Reba has an extra person they could technically get rid of one of their own and still have the numbers. So you wonder next week, does Reba go after one of their own and try and get Jake and Katura on board? And then it's 3-2 Reba ahead of Jake and Katura. I'm not sure, but really good episode last night. I really liked the way it played out. I am kind of surprised based on the way the edit was going this season. Like I said, I've always said this. I'm terrible at Survivor edits because I just, you know, Gabler wasn't getting any scream time. He wasn't. He certainly was well behind other people in ITMs, and he ends up winning. And then last year you had someone who was it? Um, Jam Jam was leading all season in ITMs, and he ends up winning. So Emily was one of the leaders, if I'm not mistaken, of ITMs. If you go to Survivor Fact Checker on Instagram, I believe Emily was, Emily was leading this season in ITMs, and now she's not going to win. She finished seventh, you know. So. Really good episode. I really enjoyed it. Nice twist there at the end. I just didn't think it was going to happen. And finally, Squid Game. The finale was released last night at 9 p.m. If you're interested in it and you did not watch it and you don't want to hear me talk about the final episode, then fast forward. Three, two, and one. So we get the final three of my, Phil, and Sam. They're sitting at the dinner table, and it just turns into another basic game of, hey, we got three shapes here. You press this button, and it's gray. Nothing happens. You press this button, and it's red. You're eliminated. You press this button, it's green, and you make it to the finals. You get to choose who goes with you. 
So they got to determine, well, who's going to push the first button? Mai says, I'll do it. She pushes the gray button. Nothing happens to her. So now it's between Sam and Phil. One of the buttons is going to be, hey, you made it to the finals, and you can choose whoever you want to go with you. The other button is you're eliminated. So clearly, with only two guys left, they were going to take each other to the finals, you would think, the way they, they, they had befriended each other. They weren't going to take Mai. So it ends up being Phil, or excuse me, it ends up being Sam, and he picked the wrong one. He picked square. That ends up being red. He's eliminated. So Mai and Phil are your final two, and the final two is just a game of rock, paper, scissors over and over again. Every time you win a game of rock, paper, scissors, you get to go over and pick up a key, turn it on a safe, and if the safe opens, you win the $4.56 million. That simple. Like every game in this show, it's very just simple. There's so much luck involved. There's no, you know, you can say like, well, Mai was really good at reading Phil, and that was her skill. Yeah, but it doesn't matter. Because it's not like she won the first game of rock, paper, scissors, and the first key she turned, she won. The second Phil had a chance, anything that Mai could do didn't really mean anything in terms of reading Phil. It didn't matter. All that mattered was who was going to turn the right key. And I don't know how many keys there were in there to start with. It looked like they went through at least 15 or 20. And Mai probably won most of those rock, paper, scissors games. But it still, at any point, Phil could have picked the right key and won, and Mai's you know, body language or body reading skills wouldn't have mattered. But she ends up with about four or five keys left. She ends up picking the right key and winning. And she won $4.56 million. You know, I like the show. I think it's very intriguing. I think it's very, you know, it, it's kind of slow moving. But it's just like a lot of other game shows in that you just get invested in the characters. And this is the biggest prize in the history of reality TV, as far as I know. They're already casting for season two. It got greenlit for a season two. However, will this show ever pass Survivor for me? No. Will it ever pass shit Big Brother for me? No, it wouldn't. Would it ever pass the challenge for me? No, it doesn't. And because it's just a lot of luck. There's not a whole hell of a lot of skill involved in Squid Game. At least with Survivor and Big Brother, you're voting people out that ultimately decide your fate. This is, you got to have 90% luck in this game and just hope you last. There was no, even that, you could say at the final three last night, my, Phil, and Sam, by my saying, I want to go, she didn't know what the three symbols were and what each color was under each symbol. What if she picked square and she picked red and she was done? Had nothing to do with skill. That's blind luck. She had a one in three chance. She had a, um, she had a two and three chance of advancing. So, I, you know, she chose to go first. I wouldn't even, technically, it's not two of three because just by her hitting the gray one, all it did was do nothing. So, basically, she had a two of three chance of pressing something and she wouldn't be gone from the game. But I, I just, I'm glad that she won. She was the one I thought would win just based on her edit this season. Seemed like she got way more screen time than anybody else. I felt like we knew about her way earlier than we really knew about Phil and Sam. But don't tell me that game isn't, that game is like, oh, she won because she's the best strategist out there. No, no, she wasn't. So much luck involved in that game. And that's why it just has to fall underneath the games of, you know, strength, wit, um, gameplay, mind screwing with other people. I just, 
it's just too much luck involved. And I like the challenges in as silly as I think the Big Brother challenges are, they're better than anything Squid Game has. Just a bunch of kids games that you have to get lucky on. Simple as that. Anyway, thank you all for listening. Really appreciate it. Please follow me on Apple Podcasts. Also, rate and review. The Sports Daily will be up in an hour from now. Check out podcast number 368 coming in a couple hours. Dave Neal on for, gosh, he's probably the leader in the clubhouse now. Most times being on the Reality C podcast, and I don't think that's ever going to change. Dave, just great guest. Great to talk to. I'm glad him and I got to share some of the things we talk about in our voice memos to each other on the podcast. So look for that in a couple hours. Thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. And I will talk to you tomorrow. See you.